This is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we're still at spring training. It has just been a blast. We are having so much fun down here. And it was nice to all get out yesterday for dinner. Brock, Justin, Mora, and Shannon Dreyer, who joins us right now. It was fun to get all, all of us out for dinner last night. Glad we didn't sit outside. Yeah, no, How are was, you doing this? That was a deluge, <laughs> by the way, last night. That was biblical rain. Fun drive home. When we got really out. fun drive oh, home. And poor Shannon, unlike you know, some of us that got to eat some fast food and maybe take an extended nap and we're a little late to dinner because of it. She was over there working. Dude. No, no, I, I'm not pointing fingers. Whoa, dude. What? Whoa, wait. <laughs> Let's tone it what? down. I'm just saying. Whoa. Why? Sh- Why are we toning it down? Sh- Shannon went from here, all of her work here, right yeah. out to Mesa, Mesa, watched the entire ball game, came and met us, didn't even go home and change. How was Robbie right yesterday? Fantastic. I mean, it is spring, and I have to, you know, preface everything with that. But uh, anytime you have somebody that's working on something new or a new pitch or something like that, and you see the confidence from them, a couple of things. The first thing that stood out about him is he threw 95 in the first inning. We didn't see that in spring last year. Averaged, uh, I think it was 93.4 miles an hour on the fastball last year. And that's something. That is, he, he would like that little bit of extra. He built a gym in his house, like just absolute high-tech everything. And that was part of it. It wasn't just adding the pitch, but it was getting stronger, starting earlier. And a lot of that was kind of, and working out a little bit differently. And a lot of that was also focused on maybe we can get a little bit more velocity, get him back to where he was. Because mm. he is a power pitcher. He is a you know max effort kind of mentality guy, and that's something that he likes to see. But he threw a lot more of the splitter. His first outing, he just threw one. This one, he threw seven or eight and was very excited about it. Excited that it can give him something that falls to the left of the plate, to the right of the plate. Something he really hasn't had. He's kind of been more two-dimensional, feels more three-dimensional right now. He's a little tunneling. Brock, it's just a tunneling. You know what's, what's and I love all of that. Thank you, Salk. It's tunneling. Uh, <laughs> I just think, how is he going to attack the Astros? I mean, so much of that to me, everything that you just said right there, because he's a Cy Young Award winner. He is accomplished. He's He is going to take care of bad lineups and average lineups. And I think as a guy in his position, and you, you know it much more than I do in speaking to him, it almost sounds like that's like Rocky with, you know, Drago. Like, okay, I'm going to do all my training. I know what I've got to tackle. i got to tackle that guy. And for Robbie, I mean, save for the Astros last year, he was pretty darn dominant. Well, he's got to get lefties and righties out. And, you know, Toronto was a challenge, too, with the lineup yep. that they pulled out in, in the postseason. And so now he's got, you know, he's got that breaking pitch. I mean, he's very much lived upstairs with most everything. And now he's got pitch to the left, pitch to the right. He's got one for the lefty, one for the righty. And hopefully that's going to help him. And also... Have you ever talked to him? This is a guy with a lot of determination. And, you know, he was able to put away what happened at the end of the year enough, but not really fully. He can also use that as motivation. How do, the, how do you think this team looks different this year than last year? I mean, it, it, not just a couple of players. I mean, I think we know about the new additions. But overall, 
How, how do you think this team will be different than what we saw last year? Well, they have the experience now, and that's huge. They've been there, and they all talk about that. You, you hear about it, but you don't know until not just get there, but getting there. And, and that, you know, they had the challenges. I think probably what's going to help them the most is the struggles that they had out of the gates last year and to know not to fall to whatever it was victim of that kind of you know allowed them to have a, a really disappointing April and May after a similar spring training where there were, you know, hopes were high mm-hmm. that it was okay time to start taking off and a good spring and good additions and big additions and then they fell flat so i think that that's going to help them uh you know recognizing that to avoid that coming out of the gates this year and i think that's going to be important and that's that's going to be a big difference and one of the ways that i'm looking at this team is the last few years my focus has been on what they are at the end of the year what they were doing in the second half this year is the first time in a long time that we need to look at them start to finish. Doesn't mean that if they have a rocky start, they're not going to be able to finish strong and get to where they need to be. But this year, I think an expectation of having a, a good April, of that you're not going to spend a few months kind of finding yourself and, and, and finding answers. I think that that's going to be the most different thing for me in watching them day to day. Well, I think with the quality of that behemoth in your division, that, you know, from start to finish, you were 16 games behind at the end of the year, right? And I know there's a great story to write and an easy and a palatable story of, hey, man, yeah, but Julio, second half, Cal Raleigh, uh, Luis Castillo, that's that's all fine. Mariner's record from June 1st on was 100 win pace. That's right. right. Those things are not nothing. They're not nothing. They're absolutely real. But when you're facing a team that's got World Series championships and is a title contender and has that fiber and has the core and the majority of those guys Guys, all back, and that's the crew you got to take down. I don't think you can afford an April and May like they had last year. Well, uh, you know, I'm just going to point to it. And I have a, few, a lot of things that I say kind of over and over. They just basically, when all is said and done, they've got to be good enough to get the postseason, then they've got to be good enough to beat Houston three times. And so I'm not going to get too wrapped up if they don't beat the Astros early. Mm-hmm. And I do think they were more, they are now more of what they were in the second half. I really don't care what they did against the Astros in April, like May, either. and no, June. I that. That I don't wasn't like the, the same Astros. team. You don't like the Astros. <laughs> Nobody likes the Astros. Let's be real. You feel that right there? I, I kind of like that. You don't like that team, and I don't like them. I don't think Teoscar likes him anymore either. Well, maybe, maybe a little bit. He's got some friends there. What a, what a good guy he is too, huh? And what was your impression when he sat down? Just kind of first impression. Yeah, that you, uh, he knows exactly what he is, right? When Scott Service said to us earlier this week with young players, right, they go through a struggle. What am I? How do I figure this out? How do I get out of it? That guy is a machine. 25-plus home run season after season after season because I don't think he's going to waver. I'm a little curious with him, and, and you know, sometimes it can be hard to to read too much in especially with i don't want to say a language barrier but not his first language because certainly not a barrier guy speaks great english Uh, he uh, each time i've heard him speak it does strike me a little bit that he was really good friends with the guys in toronto that i think it hurt his feelings a little bit to be ripped away from those guys and i am a hundred percent reading into this he didn't say these words Mm -hmm. but that was the impression i got in listening to him that it was oh okay well now i gotta go be on another team and meet some new people and by the way right now it's for one year he doesn't have a long contract etc i know brock you like to talk about sort of the um incentive incentive element of that but i think there's also a little bit of hired gun element to it of hey i don't know if this is going to be home I'm playing professionally here because I got traded here. I don't have a long-term contract. I don't think there's any hard feelings from the uh, arbitration, but they went up against each other in arbitration. It it feels a little... 
Business. transactional. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm curious to see if the great culture here can really reel him in and make him a part of what they've been building here over the course of the last few years. Seems like a really good dude. But I think that'll be, you know, one of the things that this culture can hopefully accomplish. Absolutely. And, you know, it was a quick, quick sell for Luis Castillo. You know, he made up his mind. And that was probably a value of his is to have that locked up right away. And apparently I don't think that is with Teoscar as much. But but he was coming from Cincinnati. I mean, to be fair. He was leaving right. He was probably just as happy to get out of there. <laughs> well, right? And I don't think it hurt to have Suarez. I mean, Suarez, mm -hmm. he goes way back. That yep. was like the first person when he went to the Reds. That it was Eugenio who took him mm -hmm. under his wing. And that, you know, and, and they're very similar in personality and kind of likeness and, and, and who they are along those lines, family, things like that. That probably didn't hurt things yeah. either. The relationship that he was able to establish with his pitching coach very quickly, very important for a pitcher. That's big to athletes right now. You know, what are the facilities? What can you do to help me stay at the top of my game? And, you know, what was the relationship with the coaches? So Teoscar hasn't had that opportunity yet to, mm -hmm. to really figure that out. He hasn't gone to war with these guys in a baseball game yet and so it's different you know he may like everything he says sees right now and it's not enough might change you know when they do take on the houston astros when they do get into those situations but he also you know he's a very thoughtful guy um but i think he's also very aware of where he is the at the end of this of year right? the business of yeah. baseball he as he should be, be. He's been traded as a he should be times. Yep. i don't say any of that in, in no, a i think that's way. a good word transactional yeah i think for, that that's a fair now, word. yeah for now, he's a yep. bit of a hired gun, and we'll see if he can really develop and become a part of this culture, which would be awesome. And by the way, I would guess that's what happens because of the way Scott handles his business, because of the way this group seems to be so welcoming. And I tell you what, you hit a couple of walk-off home runs or something like that, and you jump up and down with the guys at home played, and you bear hug Cal or whatever. Well, I think he'll be yeah, just and I think, fine. And I think he throws guy, sunflower seeds. Exactly. I, I think yeah. that guy that he shares the outfield with next to him, too, probably will help in that. I would think so. Mm -hmm. So, Shannon, thank you. We'll do it again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. We appreciate it. Every morning we've been having Shannon on, uh, which has been a blast. This has been great, this man. There's nothing about this week yeah. that hasn't been great. The cold isn't even getting you down. No. Look at you. I love it. Ah. I'm so freaking happy here, man. I just absolutely <laughs> love. Kathy, if you're listening, driving to work two weeks next year, two weeks we've got to be down here. I am serious. Two weeks of spring training. We'll be right back, give you everything you need to know, including something I just heard. We've been talking all about the uh, Seahawks and how they ranked for the NFL PA. I asked a one Mariner, just one man's opinion, where he thought the Mariners would rank if they were to do the same thing in baseball. I'll tell you what he said next. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, we used to do good news, bad news, no news. The fact that the Mariners lost yesterday, no news. The good news, however, Robbie Ray, a tremendous outing. He went three innings, allowed only two base runners, one walk, one hit, struck out five. I believe all five came in a row. He really had it working. As Shannon said a few minutes ago, fastball velocity was up as well, over 95 on average, which is great news for the future for Robbie Ray, who's such a huge part of what makes this pitching staff great. As for the bats, they were tremendous. Julio Rodriguez is a story wherever he goes, and yesterday he showed why, even when he doesn't get all of it, He's just got so much strength. Here's the next pitch. Julio skies one. Left field. It's deep. It's got some carry. The wind's got a hold of it. And there it goes. A home run for Julio Rodriguez. 
Hoyo gets the Mariners on the board. It's 5-1 Chicago here in the fifth. They got a 1-1 pitch. Yeah, and it got it off the end of the bat, but he just strong. Mm. He just rode it right out of there. Kelnick followed with an opposite field job himself. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was kind of fun watching that yesterday and, and the highlights of that. And then thinking back to the morning where I was watching him right here, I don't know, about... 15 to 20 yards from me with a sled that had about 250 pounds on it, and he is just doing some of these just pulls, these lap pulls, just showing you that strength and where that power comes from. It comes from the ground up. It comes from that kind of effort and work off the field, and the same is obviously said for Jared. Jared Kelnick, one of the hardest working guys around here physically he has put together, but the Buster Olneys and the Peter Gammons, who you retweeted, who are taking notice right now, I do really believe this, Mike. It's because this organization's earned some of the benefit of the doubt with their young people. Watching Cal Raleigh come on, watching Logan and Kirby, obviously watching the emergence of Julio. And my goodness gracious, if we've said it once, we've said it ten times this week, if Jared Kelnick can be what Jared Kelnick's talent expressed and is shown and they can and he can do it consistently and continually that hole in left field that hole in the zips projections uh, it starts to disappear just a little bit well it was a pretty good day for the workout warriors jared kelnick julio rodriguez robin ray who i think he would put on a list of well really starring yesterday here's the second thing you need to know I should also add there that Logan Gilbert will make his first start of the spring. That's coming up later this afternoon against the Padres, Teoscar Hernandez, and others in the lineup as well. NFLPA releasing their grades for each team. The Seahawks did pretty good. B+, plus. that was 11th in the league, so that's good. They're in the top, you know, third-ish, but some room for some improvement. I was surprised. Uh, that, I was too. That the ownership, you know, we know they're willing to invest. We know that they've got good food. A little surprised they got dinged for their weight room. A little surprised they got dinged for the lack of first class seating for travel, which was not available to them very often. I was a little surprised yeah, I, by some of that. I, I was expecting them to be in the top five yes. based on the facility. But then you yeah. think about it, facility's 20 years old. And, and maybe this is a little... I say a wake-up call. I don't mean to say that they got like a D and all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, we got to fix what we're doing. But I think that they would love to be getting A marks from their players. I think that's the type of program they'd like to run. Yeah, and most of it was A minus, B plus, A minus, B plus. Most of it was pretty good. The travel was the lone but C Dallas or got C an minus. Right. Minnesota got an A. Yep. Right? I mean, Carolina got an A. Yep. And I think that the Seahawks' goal in this yes. should be to get an A. Yeah. And and knowing them and the way they go about their work, and they're kind of like the competition committee if something's there that they've got to make a move on. They've got the resources to do it. That is what I have always stood by, Salk, and, and being in different organizations, friends, teammates in different organizations, as far as resources go, as far as your employer taking care of you, giving you everything you need from a nutrition standpoint, a food standpoint, a science standpoint, and all of that stuff. They are, to me, ahead of the class. But I think others in the league are showing they, too, have resources to spend on their players as well. The bottom of the league, no surprise. Commanders dead last, followed by Jaguars, Bengals, and Cardinals. All of them received Fs. All of them received failing grades from their players for how they are treated. Pretty amazing. Just shows you how good Joe Burrow is with what he's been able to do there in Cincinnati. By the way, I was mentioning, I asked a Mariner. I I won't reveal his name, but as he was walking by today, I asked him about this and said, hey, did you see all that? He said, yeah. How do you think the Mariners would do if if MLBPA did that? He said, I think they do really freaking well. The facilities, our travel. He's like, there's nothing you can do about the long distance. 
but he said they take care of us. Food's yeah. pretty good, etc. Plane's nice. Yeah, and you know what? They've got a lot of coaches. I mean, like they are, the number of coaches per player that they have out here is really impressive and shows the kind of investment they've made. The trajectory machine. And when you know Mike Cameron wants to be here, and Alvin Davis wants to be here, and yeah. Ichiro want to be here, and Edgar wants to be here, and Dan Wilson want to be here. Yeah. So that's that not resonates. my opinion. That's the opinion of a current Mariner. I only asked one, but I'll try to ask a few more before the week is done. Here's the third thing you need to know. Trade deadline tomorrow in the NHL. What are the Kraken going to do? They made one little move a week or so ago that hasn't really paid any dividends. Come on, Ron Francis. So Ron Francis is in a unique position. Come on, Ronnie. seems to think he can do anything. They're the wild card. What did uh, Frank Saravalli said? The the world is his candy store right now. If he wants to buy, he's got the resources to buy. If he wants to sell here in a seller's market, he's got names like Geeky, Borgen, Susie, all of whom would have some value, maybe even extra value in the seller's market without really affecting their playoff chances. So whatever he wants to do, he's capable of doing it. Tomorrow is sort of his deadline because they're going to have to get something done by tomorrow. Oh, oh, what am I looking at here? Oh, we got some numbers. You know, I like numbers. Look at, oh, Daniel Jeremiah tweet has some numbers. Will McDonald, Iowa State, 6'3 and a half, 239, 82-inch wingspan. Oh, wow. Zach Harrison, 85-inch wingspan out of the Ohio State at 6'5", 274. Oh, you want to know about Felix and Udike Uzama? Oh, I, oh, I know that name. You asked me to and look I up can, numbers. And I can pronounce it from Kansas State, 6'3", 250. Somebody that you might be interested in? Oh, there's just the first three right there. There's a couple DNs for you. Yeah, by the way, the combine gets going and the big boys start running and jumping today. That's everything you need to know. Uh, we do a quarter past every hour here on the new Brock and Salk Show, even as we are down here at Mariners Spring Training, thanks to Alaska Air and Kitsap Credit Union. Sun's starting to peek out a little bit. It's fighting for us, MLB man. Network is out here today. Uh, Greg Amsinger and Dan Plesak we've seen kind of walking around. Uh, they talked to Tay Oscar. They talked to Ty France. Uh, there's a lot of people here. A lot of, a lot of fans mm-hmm. showed up today, even in the cold, want to get a little glimpse. Logan Gilbert's going to pitch today, which is It's cool. a good thing for Logan. Is it? Yeah, it's enough of the machinations. Right. Okay. Machinations? Sure. All this, all the machinations with his body, oh. all the gyrations, all the weird stuff that he does. Time like, to get him out there you know pitching. What? Yeah, we need you to go throw. Yes. So the, well, he's going to do that today, which should be cool. And I think I, I heard some bass being played, like somebody on the bass guitar. I wonder if today is the band day that Scott oh. alluded to, right, with Harry Ford on the saxophone. And he said well, that, uh, he, what else did he say? We have uh, Suarez singing. singing. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe today is and band if, day. And if Mora is the face of Culver's. Yeah. Shouldn't our guy Justin, our music guy, shouldn't he go like, oh, I should oh, have something to do with this. You should. You yeah. should be a consultant. You want to jump in there? Is there a keytar? <laughs> Is that your instrument? You know I'll play the triangle. All right. You can put Justin on the triangle with Harry Ford on the guitar, or the sax, rather, excuse me. And up next, uh, Jerry DePoto. Not as much of a music guy, more of a food guy. So we'll see what Jerry's been eating and what he thinks of his team. He'll join us next. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, rolling along here at spring training. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Wearing some old school Mariner winter gear. Jerry DePoto. It is, in fact, table. winter. <laughs> what is going on here? Still yeah. see our breath. 
We're saying, look, Arizona, that's all we're asking is to hit the back of your baseball cart. No one's asking you to go and do anything that you haven't done before. Just hit the back of your baseball cart. If you've been a 275 hitter, hit 275. You've been a 70-degree March kind of player. Let's just hit 70. Be that guy. Be that I, guy. Know, I, I think that's the – so far we haven't had – there's been two what I would think to be good weather days. And, uh, you know, outside of that, I try to stay inside as much as I can. It's It's been a little cool. I said that to Salky. I yeah. said, hey, I haven't seen Jerry walking around as much He's in years past. Now we know the answer. Yeah, New Jersey guy who said, I'm out of here. I'm not dealing with the cold I pop anymore. in, I pop out. <laughs> Actually, you know, Justin walked by my office. This was a couple of days ago, about a week ago. And, uh, and I said, where are you headed? He was all bundled up, sweatshirts, he had the hat on. And I said, where are you headed? He goes, out to watch live BP. I said, who's throwing? He said, The Rock. I said, I trust he's good. I'll see him next time. <laughs> hey, is some of that by design also? I mean, as you and Justin have sort of moved into your newer roles, I know that you know you still do this and, and a lot of the outward-facing stuff, but I, I would think some of that might be by design to get Justin as the general manager out there and, and sort of into that role more. You know, he's always been. He's always been fairly active, pretty present on the field with the players in the spring, you know, in and out, getting to know people. He's doing more in terms of, you know, outward facing media this spring than he ever has before, which I think is that's by design and I think a good thing. But by and large, our our interaction, the way we work together hasn't changed considerably. You know, he's he was always responsible for much more than people were aware of. Now it's just something that we've made a little more public. How much trust is there between you two? Uh, I think it's seamless. We're, we're, you know, as a rule, we've been together for most of the last decade. And, you know, he knows how I think I generally know how he thinks uh, he is uh, he's strong enough to tell me I think you're a little crazy there <laughs> to I think you're out of your mind and usually use some some colorful ways of expressing that but uh, there's I, I lean on him for just about everything we do I any idea that I have I bounce on it off of him before I go anywhere else with it and and generally speaking I think that's the, the he feels the same way it's a reciprocal type of relationship you know Jerry many fans have gotten through HBO's hard knocks to see behind the scenes in football right especially training camps through the years I don't know if you've ever taken those in or watched any hard knocks but cameras are all over the place there are meetings rooms there are personnel meetings and everything else I think we got a pretty good sense for what hard knocks and what an NFL training camp's like. If there was a camera following you and Justin and all day long today, walk me through what, what a day and an evaluation and, and just spring training at this stage now looks like. Uh, it, it's certainly not hard knocks, you know, <laughs> the, although I've had my fair share through the years. Now, this is mostly, you know, the early stages of spring training. We're trying not to evaluate. You're, you're going to get excited by what you see with some guys, but the biggest mistakes that you'll make as an evaluator in our mm-hmm. game are typically made in February and in early March. You know, you're going to get too excited by by something that, that grabs your attention in the early bullpens in the six-pack. An oppo taco on an 0-2 count yesterday. Yeah. There's, there are reasons to be excited. You know? <laughs> and, I, you know, I will say that you try to temper your your, your excitement while building the, the optimism when you see, especially with the young players. I, mm-hmm. I've said this before, with old players, never, when you when you look at a player who's been around for 10, 12 years, they're in spring training, and, and they're, they're preparing, don't, don't look at them through the lens of, man, he doesn't look good. You know, with the young player, oftentimes, you're seeing the best that they have to offer. And when the games start, the competition on the field is a is a fine time to start assessing where the young players are because they come to work every day and they're there to show you the best of what they have. Mm-hmm. The veteran player is more 
in in line with you know preparing himself for the season they 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 feel a degree of comfort in and where their position lies on the roster and there's less urgency mm-hmm. so you know as we get deeper into the spring now we might that those those two roads may intersect and somewhere about the middle of march you're going to start assessing players you know on the same plane rather than trying to separate them by experience so where is jared kelnick at right now uh, could not be any more optimistic about the changes that he's made. And, and some of this is, is not just the results that he's achieving in the game. It's not just how good he's looked on the fields and, and practice from the moment we got here. It's what we know of his offseason and, and the things that he's done to, to focus on what we're seeing, which is you know some level of swing change, some level of approach change, some level of, of just adapting to you know major league pitching. It's just taking him a little while longer than it takes others is his swing shortened you hear that so often i think with players through the years and especially with the stuff they're facing now and salk and i got to see the trajectory arc like this stuff coming at you it's just different it's coming in pretty good is is it i mean is it oversimplification to say yeah you know he's just continued to kind of shorten that swing he's always had a pretty short or direct swing you know Mm -hmm. jared's swing if you were to look at it from the moment we we acquired him is pretty flat swing you know and and uh which is not uncommon with good hitters who use the field to hit and you know through the years you, you would define flat swings as if you looked at batting champs or the guys that are at the top of the, the the batting average leaders very common he's got a little more tilt in his swing and it's shorter on the front end you know on the front end is that there's there's a little more you know, uptick. You know, mm-hmm. as he as he comes through the zone, and then he's and he's shorter on the extension on the backside, which I think gives him more barrel control through the strike zone. And uh, it's certainly, I will say this: I don't, I don't think he's hit a ball under 100 miles an hour since the since the spring began. And and you know, he's he's roasting the the league, and mm-hmm. it's 105 to 113 mile an hour exit velocity almost every time he swings the bat, which is. It, pretty good it's pretty good we're always impressed with his maturity i mean we talk a lot about how young he is and and for good reason baseball maturity i think he's still probably growing into it but i think he gets really an unfair reputation I think people think he's a meathead because they kind of see him and they heard the smell you later and some of the brashness that he had when he first came up and then every time we sit down with him and people hear him and actually listen to him throughout an interview we just get a completely different reaction because he's thoughtful, because he's smart, because he seems starting. It seems like he's starting to have an understanding of who he is. Oh, I think that's true. But I think the you know the idea the idea that he was ever a meathead is probably a, an assumption. Yeah. There's a, he's actually very smart. He's very prepared. He's an intense player on the field and and in the way he works, you know, off of the field. And you know the, the fact that he was brash, particularly when he first arrived here, it's that's you know that's where you can read a little of that into. I think he's grown there too. You know, if if you follow him around this spring, it's a there is a there's a definite maturation that has happened over the course. And I even go back to midsummer last year, from midsummer last year to where we sit today, he has matured so much. And and you're never going to find anyone who was more intent with their work habits, who came to the ballpark with a plan, who had goals to what he wanted to achieve. You know, now he's combined that with you know he's 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 grown up quite a bit. And and I think. He 
he's learned better how to deal with the the, the ups and downs. You know, I, the baseball is you know it's a long season, and mm-hmm. you know if you get too down with the downs, it's it's very hard to recover. And that's, I think he's doing a great job with that. How's Perry Hill's infield been? Have you watched any of Perry Hill over there? Yeah, he's okay. He's, I, okay. he's a myth. You know, <laughs> he's a, he's a mythical character, Perry Hill. He's, he's a he's machine excellent. man. He is so fun because he's right next to us with anybody from someone that wanted to learn how some of the fundamentals so he could coach a softball team to Colton Wong over here with that discipline. And, you know, we were just talking about it earlier. Is, is this common, Jerry? You would know better than I. But to see the coaches around here, Edgar's coaching here, Dan Wilson's coaching here, Alvin Davis is coaching here, Ichiro is coaching here. Is that common in baseball, that to have former players, Cameron's here, is engaged coaching as we see here? Ichiro's here. I said Ichiro. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, Ichiro's Ichiro. always here. Always. <laughs> He's here all day. Yeah. Um, you know, it, some, for more, it's more common for some organizations than it is for others. You know, we, it, for us, it's very common to have those, you know, those types of presence around. You know, I think here this month, I anticipate we'll see Ken Griffey Jr. a little bit as he starts to integrate for the WBC. Um, it, we've had great players who, who have stuck around the organization. Yeah. And you know, I, I think that's it's, what it is. It's a great resource for our players more so than any nugget that they might give them as to how to pick up a ground ball or how to hit a fastball it's a resource resource for them for what we were talking about a moment ago with jk it's how you manage your way through the season it's the the psychology of being a long season baseball player and mm-hmm. and these guys have done it as well as any players have ever done it and to to use those resources is wise and and we've done i think organizationally a great job of keeping those players around our system for that it was cool hearing Julio talk a little bit, uh, what was it, two days ago that we talked to Julio about at least one of the guys up on that on that uh, mural in Ichiro because something's happening to, to Julio. He's becoming a superstar, and most of that is great, and some of it is going to come with some trade-offs, right, and some challenges that are ahead of him, and not too many people understand what it's really like. I know you were around a couple superstars in your day as a player, and you've had a couple here in Seattle, but it was cool to hear uh, Julio say that he's talked to Ichiro a little bit about that, and and I would think it'd be something on your mind and Scott's mind almost all the time. How do you help this kid achieve everything you need him to achieve and be a face of baseball without it becoming a problem for him and a challenge for him to deal with? You know, so much of it is going to be because of the way Julio was raised and wired. You know, if you meet Julio's parents, there's a he there. They have they have set a bar, you know, for for the way you you go about doing things, the way you go about your business. And it's very clear in how Julio treats people and how he interacts with his teammates. You know, that's step one. And and that takes care of a good deal of it. I'm always reminded, you know, when I think of two really unique situations when I talk about where I think about, you know, players evolving into stars or what it's like to be in that type of fishbowl. And, you know, I always think of the, the great Marilyn Monroe, Joe DiMaggio interaction where, you know, Marilyn Monroe says, you can't imagine what it's like to have millions of people adore you every day and the pressure that that creates. And, and Joe DiMaggio said, I have a pretty good idea. <laughs> and, you know, they just did it in different worlds. And, and years ago when I was with the Angels, when Mike Trout had just finished Finished his rookie of the year, and now he's you know finished second in the MVP, and he's come out for his second spring training. I can remember Albert Pujols being interviewed. Uh, it was a live interview on tape and and uh, or on film, and and he was asked the question: Can you imagine a, a player this young being this good, and how you how do you manage that? And he said. 
Yeah, I, I can imagine it. <laughs> and having players that have been through that, and th- this is our great fortune with guys like Junior and Ichiro especially, who experience this at, at really the, 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 the top level that you can experience it, where they're international superstars. Uh, Julio is trending in that direction. He's, he's very popular among Major League fans right now. He's super popular in our fan base. You know, and he has, he has something different than just the skills on the field that, that he brings to the table. Uh, helping him manage that is is going to be best seen through people who've been through it before because the rest of us are just trying to keep him, you know, I, I guess, rooted. The others can teach him how to handle the, you know, the, the, the asteroids that come flying in from outer space. Well, I'll tell you what's different. His eyes. Uh, he, he has got, like, uh, beautiful. I mean, they're just does they're, beautiful. Eyes. They are beautiful eyes. And then he sat where you're sitting and he doesn't take his eyes. Like when you talk to him, I was exhausted. I, I was done after the interview because I can't look away. Like he's not looking away. So I can't look away. Does he engage you in that same just? You oh, yeah. Know, but it's not. It's it, it's so endearing. You know, yes. he has, has, I'll give you a quick you know anecdote. And my, my daughter, my younger daughter, spent seven years in Hong Kong. And she came back from Hong Kong after not being in the United States for seven years and she happened to come back in july of 2022 and i'm standing in my living room watching the 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 home run derby and she comes over and stands next to me as the 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 crowd is roaring and julio's smiling is hitting another homer and they did a a close-up with what i thought were awesome you know camera angles at the home run derby last year and they got on top of julio and she said oh my god look at his eyes (laughs) she said he is going to be a star and she didn't know anything about him hitting homers had never heard of him before that day it was he has a different you know a, a different magnetism that, that doesn't you know exist with every player that you run across and he wants to which is also something you don't identify with about this a few minutes ago but brock and i've really been struck by how many good dudes are on this team and and it i, I want to ask you how you achieve that but also it finally feels like this is a hundred percent your team and Scott's team. And, it, you know, it's been eight years. And I think we could say that over time it grew in percentage-wise year. And I was thinking about it. This finally feels like it was entirely built by you and Scott exactly the way you guys want this. I think, I think that's true. Well. Yeah, and, and Justin's been a part of it really from, you know, just about from day one. But you know, and I could qualify any McKenna is uh, you know players that have grown through our system few people have had a bigger impact on their careers than than Andy or some of the the coaches that have been here for so many years but that's the you know it takes time and i know scott was quoted in a, in a recent story in in just that way we have had the benefit of an ownership group that allowed us to do this mm-hmm. that allowed us to take the time to do it right and and not to have to go back and plug holes because you tried to shortcut it and you know and have a long range plan and and this was if you think about it when we when we went through our rebuild after the 2018 season the commitment that that required from ownership to say I understand that that it might get a little bumpy we trust you and and I do think that this was what we envisioned was a team it's it's not just 26 we had 76 guys in camp and they're great guys 59 last year right? right 59 guys played in the majors last year for you 
God, I just I look at, at what you've got, and it sure seems like you may use another 55-plus this year again. You and in and, and, and today's game, you will due to injuries, due to the, the you know the the bumps and the bruises that you experience. You know, guys wind up on the IL, and and that's the way it works. But you know, you want to have depth. I've never been more confident in the depth that we've had organizationally than the group you see today. So give me a couple guys who you're not counting on. You don't need them to have career years, as we said, just, or even be their baseball right, card, or even hit their baseball card like Arizona starting to start to warm up a little bit here. Give me a few guys who, if they had a great season, would just be icing on the cake and really awesome for your team. You know, maybe the most encouraged I am about any player who who and what he's come into camp in the non-Jared Kelnick category, because I think that is the first answer to the question is, you know, if J.K. is able to break out and do the things that we think or believe he's capable of, it just changes our entire the view of our team, you know, and, and that's both internal and external and part of what we're betting on. You know, we've we've bet on on him and I, and I think he is going to deliver on that. And we're, we're seeing the early stages. Uh, the other guy who's really shown up and can change the way we see ourselves is Robbie Ray. You know, it's a Robbie's a, a, a year removed from a Cy Young award. His first two outings in the spring have been awesome. And, and, and it's very, very 2021 Robbie Ray. I think we're seeing a different version of him there. Mm-hmm. You know, I could put Marco in that bucket. You know, Marco is, you know, very quietly. Since 2018, Marco's third in the American League in innings, third in the American League in wins. You know, he's, if, if this were 1977, we would be celebrating the things that, that Marco delivers every day. And, you know, and instead we, we, we've dealt with a lot of scrutiny about what the things he doesn't do. But he does do a lot of really positive things and delivers a lot of quality starts. And that type of depth makes us a different team. You know, and I think it's just finding that one bat that clicks for us. You know, who that bat is, I'm not entirely sure yet in our system. Uh, as we cycle through the, the DH position, you want one guy to be able to step up and take a bulk of those. That could be Evan White. You know, and it's a guy we're not really counting on coming into spring training, who I think has looked outstanding in the early going. Again, trying to temper the enthusiasm, mm-hmm. but he changes our team defensively if, if he hits. And, and he doesn't have to hit fourth or fifth. He can hit seventh or eighth and and if he hits it just changes the way our team is perceived and the way our team functions how about just from a data standpoint is now a week and a half in starting to play some games that you start to collect some of your numbers are there some younger guys that you know some of those minor leaguers that you're starting to look at some whoa the spin rate or this velo or this exit velo in the cage are there a few that are kind of popping there are more than a few uh you know the, the one who pops immediately or two that pop immediately we've talked extensively about one is Bryce Miller. Uh, his first outing was everything that you could have you know, envisioned, and and really did pop. The, the 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 data you know attached to his fastball, especially, has been you know, it's it's otherworldly. We think it's the most impactful fastball in the minor leagues for a pitcher who starts. You know, it's a, it's a different quality if you're if you're talking about short relievers. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy who really jumped off the page in terms of pitch quality was Perlander Baroa. And you know, it, it was three pitches that really blew up the the data systems and and uh, very impressive in how he managed the strike zone. You know, that's something that that if he figures that out, he's 22 years old. If Perlander figures out command with the physical stuff he has changes the world for us i think i see luis with him an awful lot yeah. you know in his bullpens and in conversations i think luis looks at him and goes "Ooh, 
this kid's got some kind of special stuff too. Eating lunch, you know, they'll, they'll and this is, you know, the, the, this is a very close knit team. And I know you guys have been around it a little bit. And you know, I've never been around a baseball team. And I said that part of my opening, you know, the, to with the group. And I and I try not to be, you know, as verbose as I am in situations like these. I'll, I'll be shorter and to the point. You know, he uh, this group is about as close as any I've encountered. They enjoy playing together more than any other group I've ever had. And, uh, you know, part of that is because the young guys feel comfortable with the veteran players. The veterans are giving to the young guys. They all, you know, they connect with the community. It's a, it's really, uh, I, I pinch myself every day when I get to the ballpark that we have, you know, some of it is luck. Some of it is, is by design. Some of it is, uh, is, uh, the, a good selection process in, yeah. in the human being rather than just the talent. And and when you're around Luis Castillo, you're not going to be around a better guy. He's an inviting personality. He's, he, he's got a smile for everyone. He's going to give you the time of day. And, you know, when if I'm Perlander Baroa and I look at our staff and I think, who do I want to be like? You know, I, I'm going to pick the rock too. <laughs> I really, really like him. I really like Luis Castillo. He it's, is, it's a bit much. Yeah, they've been playing the ghost music it's from the, from the Potter's Wheel and no, all that for no. me, but he's a real ace, and, and it is funny. He does have a lot of kind of early Felix to him. I mean, the repertoire to me, I always think Pedro, but when I see him and the way he kind of just casually moves around here and the smile, it, he's not aloof at all. Felix at the end kind of maybe got a little aloof. But he's got some of that like, just confidence that comes with being an ace. He really does. And cool. and I think, you know, that in, in itself is what makes an ace an ace. You know, and uh, and he, he has a way that he carries himself. It, it, he's very confident, uh, also very smart. You know, it, it, when you sit down and you talk to, to Luis, he's, he's laid back. He's relaxed. He's very uh, aware of what's happening around him. And, and I think he is aware in a way that maybe he wasn't when he was younger as to how he can affect, positively affect every outcome, the day, that day's game, even when he's not pitching by things he does with the younger guys like a Prelander Broa. We've just had so much fun down here, Jerry. Honestly, I mean, talking to Logan Gilbert about his weird bag of toys and talking to Paul Seawald about his understanding of the game and where he was at to where he is now. Talking to Tay Oscar this morning, who just, uh, he's kind of an interesting one. We were talking about him with Shannon a few minutes ago. He seemed at first to maybe be a little bummed out, right? I mean, he, he had grown close to those guys in Toronto. Loves the idea of being wanted, but also it's a little bit of a disruption. He's here in a one-year deal. You know, I, I'm kind of curious to see how he gets almost assimilated into the Mariner culture this year. You know, he seems to have fit in right away. It's at first, you know, and you hit on it. It doesn't take more than a couple of minutes in sitting down with Teo to think, boy, I really like this guy. He's a, he's easy to spend time with. He's He's very, you know, he's confident but soft-spoken. You know, he is. He's very authentic. Uh, When you play anywhere for as long as he played in Toronto, you're going to, you create relationships. You you really feel like you're part of of the fabric, and it's hard to move on. You know, I, I was traded twice in my career. He's now been traded twice. It's a, that's, that's a tough thing. And, uh, you know, you move on, you'll adapt. Players adapt. And, you know, like... Part of why we set up the, the, the systems, the, the, the programs, the way we have, part of why that we are proud of the way our clubhouse community has evolved is it, is it allows the next player to come in and feel like he's part of it. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think very quickly you look around the room and, and you see A.J. Pollock, how quickly he assimilated. You see Teo and how quickly he became part of it. You see Colton, you know, and how quickly he is 
wow, this is it's a little bit different, and I like the way it's different. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that environment. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Thanks for bringing in a bunch of guys for us to interview. Yep. It's a lot more fun than it was maybe 10 years ago <laughs> when we were searching going, I don't know who we're going to talk to. We're going to need to find somebody over here who will actually come sit down with us. It's Radio Host Dream, man. We're having a blast this week. Thanks, Jerry. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks, there you Jerry. go. Our weekly chat with Jerry DePoto. We'll be right back. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710.